Well, good morning, everybody. How are you? Listen, come on. I know y'all had to spring forward, but come on, people. It's going to be okay. Some of y'all still mad right now, but it's okay. Hopefully, we'll sit together. We'll open up God's Word. You'll be reminded of what is true, and we can walk out of here differently. My name is Nick, and I get the privilege of being one of the pastors here at New Vision, and I'm so thankful that you decided to come in spite of all the obstacles, even losing that hour, you came to worship with your New Vision family. I need to go ahead and say this, too. Our drummer this morning, his name is Tanner, and he is 16 years old, y'all. And I just think that's so dope. Y'all clap for that. I think that's cool. I think it's so cool. You know, our goal here at New Vision is to be multi-generational, and I love the fact that you have a 16-year-old behind the drums helping lead our family in worship. That will never, ever get old. And we have been in a series on Joshua for the last few months, and we are kind of going on the downward slope on Joshua. We finish here in a couple of weeks, and then we'll start our Easter sermon series, but we have learned so much in Joshua. It has probably been one of my favorite series I've been able to be a part of, just because a lot of the things we are talking about in the narrative of Joshua are a lot of things that are so, so really relevant to where we are today as a nation, as a family, and all the things in between. And so we're going to continue in Joshua. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 21. You can go ahead and mark it. You can go ahead and get on your Bible app and go ahead and open it up and go to events and pull that up and online, Joshua 21. So the other day, I was riding with my boys in the car. The windows were down. We were listening to music. I don't know if y'all remember, but about a week ago, it was 70 plus degrees. Y'all remember that? Y'all woke up this morning, you're like, how cold? What? 18? What's that? Oh, no, Lord. Right? But but yeah, it was warm because we all know that Tennessee can't make up its mind, and that's okay. We know Tennessee is fickle. There are times when we get to this part of the season where we're like, Tennessee, I need you to make up your mind. And so I'm riding in the car with my boys, and we're listening to music, and my seven-year-old is in the back seat, and he is singing at the top of his lungs, and it's one of the sweetest little sounds. His name is Nash, and he has this little cute seven-year-old voice, and he's singing, and I was just like, I like him. And as he was singing, I was reminded of really God's faithfulness because to be honest with you, Nash was the kid that I wasn't sure we were going to have. And here's why. Because I had told God that, hey, two was enough. Two was plenty. And then I was preaching a message on obedience. And I don't know about how the Holy Spirit speaks to you, but in the middle of my message, the Holy Spirit had the nerve to put his nose in the middle of my business. And as I was preaching about obedience and encouraging everyone to be obedient, the Holy Spirit whispered this to me. He said, um, are you obedient? I said, well, that's none of your business. <laughs> he said, have you fully surrendered really even what your family looks like to me? And again, I reminded him that wasn't his business. And so over the course of that day, I ended up having to go home and apologizing to my wife and just said, hey, I'm sorry, I have not been living with an open-handed posture. And about six weeks after that conversation, we were pregnant with Nash, y'all. <laughs> and as I was listening to him sing, I, have just, I was just reminded of the faithfulness of my God. Listen, God knows better than we do. He is more faithful than we are, and he keeps his promises. And as I was thinking about that and just thinking about what the Lord has done in our life as a family, I started thinking about 
really how he has been faithful in every detail of our story. And I've been reminded of this because my kids, I have a 7-year-old, an almost 12-year-old, and a 13-year-old going on 40, like, I've been reminded by them that, like, they love where our story began. They want to hear about how we started dating, and even though I did not do well, as I told y'all a few weeks ago, it wasn't pretty, but yet they love that. And they love going to our wedding album and seeing the story of how our family began. And to be honest with you, though, unfortunately, even though this cost a lot of money and it required a lot of sacrifice, we had put this up on the shelf, but then when our kids started wanting to know more of our story, we took it up off the shelf and began to look in it. And one of the first pictures that my kids were able to come to was this one right here. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I knew you wanted to. See, what some of you are thinking right now is, Nick, how did you get a woman like that? The grace of God, y'all. Like, it was totally a God thing because even more beautiful than she is on the outside, she is on the inside. And so the fact that she chose to do this life with me was a really big deal. And my kids will say stuff like this when they look at this picture. They go, Mommy, you were so young. <laughs> and I try to warn them babies. I'm like, okay, you get dropkick. That's on you. <laughs> but they love it. They're in awe of it. As they continue to turn the page on our wedding now, and this is what they will eventually come to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that is not my stunt double, y'all. Y'all, just, just a moment to pause. Look at all that lovely hair. My kids, whenever they saw this picture, they said this, Daddy, you had hair. And I was like, yeah, the reason I don't have it now is because of y'all. Back, back above me. And then this picture right here. Listen, we were, she was 22, I was 24 years old. We had no idea what was ahead of us. We had no idea what God was going to do in our relationship and the kids he was going to give us and the journey we would be on or all the things. But man, looking back at these pictures, I am reminded of the faithfulness and the promises of my king. Because that's what happens when you look back at family photos. You remember all, you remember the journey, you remember the process. And today, we get the opportunity to look at the family album of God and be reminded of what is true. Because here's what is true. Remembering the pictures of past faithfulness helps us have hope for the pictures yet to be developed. Let me say it again. Remembering the pictures of past faithfulness helps us have hope for the pictures yet to be developed. As we open up the pages of Scripture, as we dive into Joshua chapter 21 today, we're going to be reminded about the faithfulness of God and how he kept every single promise he promised the nation of Israel, not only in their time but even fully by what he did on a cross in the resurrection of Jesus. He fully answered our biggest need and kept every single promise. And as we look back on promises of the past and we look back how faithful he has been, it reminds us in Hebrews 13:8 of this. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. 
I think for some of us in this room and some of those watching online, we need to be reminded of that truth because there are times when circumstances sometimes try to convince us that God is not the same yesterday, today, and forever, but he is. And I love how the message kind of puts it. It says this, for Jesus doesn't change yesterday, today, tomorrow. He's always totally himself. And going on the heels of that, this is what I wrote down in my notes. Promise keeper yesterday, promise keeper today, and promise keeper tomorrow. And I think for such a time as this, it's such a good time to remember well that promise keeper yesterday means promise keeper today and promise keeper tomorrow. And maybe you're sitting in a place or in a space today and you're going, Nick, I'm having a hard time believing that God is truly faithful. That I know he's been faithful in the past, but I'm wondering if he's still going to be faithful today and if he's still going to be faithful in the future. And today, we're going to sit and look in the photo album of God's faithfulness and remember well. If you would, bow your heads. Jesus, thank you for who you are and what you're doing. Lord, my prayer for us today is that we will remember well. We as a people are prone to forget the very things that we need to remember. But today, may we walk slow enough with you to remember well that you are faithful. You've been faithful in the past. You've been faithful in the future. And you will be faithful here today. And so, Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. And Jesus, we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name, amen. Go ahead and turn Joshua chapter 21 if you're not there. Let me kind of break down. Last week we talked about the battles that God won on behalf of the nation of Israel. Chapters 13 through 21 talk about people taking hold of the land that was promised to them. We'll continue on this journey in Joshua 22. It's kind of Joshua's farewell speech. And we'll kind of land the plane with that. But today, we are going to see what was promised and what was kept. And we're going to see, which is amazing, that God kept every single promise. Joshua chapter 21, verse 43 says this. So the Lord gave Israel all the land. Let me pause right there. I don't want to move too quickly. How much land did God give the nation of Israel? All. Don't be afraid. Put some bass in your voice. Be confident, y'all. How much land did God give the nation of Israel? All of it. This is a big deal. I think that is something worthy to circle, underline, just make it known that he did it all. So the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their ancestors, and they took possession of it and settled there. This reminds us of this truth. The king is not a partial promise keeper. Our king does not keep anything halfway. He is an all the way to the point of completion kind of a God. He is not halfway faithful. He is fully faithful. He doesn't halfway do anything. And he definitely doesn't halfway keep his promises. He is a king that is not a partial promise keeper. As I was thinking about this king who's a promise keeper and thinking about what makes the highest quality promise keeper, I was thinking about this. What makes a photo the highest quality of a photo? 
And I don't know if y'all have heard of this, this thing called Google. When you Google something, it will tell you all kinds of amazing things. So I Googled what makes a high-quality photo, and this is what Google told me. It was on the Internet, so it has to be true. This is what it said. Location makes a photo of the highest quality. The lighting, the composition, how it's cut, how it is presented, the emotion of it, and then the technical setting of the camera in which to capture what was in front of it. So as I was thinking to myself, what is the highest quality photo that I have seen? And this is what it reminded me of is this. Can I just pause right here and just say something to y'all? When I was a young man, even early in marriage, I didn't know there would be a time where I would take photos where everybody was matching. <laughs> Fellas, can I get an amen? Amen. Like, if some of y'all have experienced this on the beach, you're like, here I am in my white shirt and my jeans on. <laughs> Standing in front of the Christmas tree with the red and the greens that match and they're subtle. And I also thought this as a, as a young man. I thought me being a grown man, I was able to pick out my own clothes. Not when it comes to photo shoots. <laughs> my clothes haven't been laid out in years until they're styled for a photo. My wife is like, I laid out some options for you. I'm like, I'm a grown man. She's like, not today. Okay. <laughs> okay. But I think about this photo, and I know, like, what's represented in this picture, right? It was just this still moment caught, but I know that there was more to it. We know what makes a high-quality photo a high-quality photo, but what makes a high-quality promise keeper is the fact that they keep all of their promises and that is why we have the highest quality of a promise keeper, because he keeps every single promise. And here's what was promised back in Joshua 1.6. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. God kept his promise. And these promises were just a glimpse of all that it took to fulfill the promise. But man, God keeps his promises. And knowing what I know about photos and knowing about the promises of God, this quote felt very applicable. And I couldn't find out who said this first because lots of people claim to have said this quote first. But here's the quote. A picture is worth a thousand words. Can I get an amen, everybody? Especially for you parents that have tried to take family photos with small kids, where they test your sanctification. You know there's a lot required in order to capture the photo that you are trying to capture. And the same is true for a promise. A promise kept requires a process. And here's the hard part about process it's a process. That means it's not immediate. That means it takes time, it takes intentionality, and sometimes, well, let's just speak about it. All the time, we are not a patient people. But a promise kept requires a process. Joshua 21, 44. The Lord gave them rest on every side. Just as he had sworn to their ancestors, not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord gave all their enemies until 
into their hands. We can rest in the king because he keeps his promises. We can rest in the king because he keeps his promises. We don't rest in ourselves because we are not as faithful as our king. We don't rest in our own good deeds because they are not sufficient enough. But we can rest in the king because of what he has done and he has sealed victory. And ultimately, he sealed our victory through his death and resurrection on the cross. So we have victory. And even when we don't see it immediately, even when we don't see it initially, he is faithful. He keeps his promises. I have one more pic I want to show you. This is me, my senior year of high school, everybody. This was homecoming day at my school. I got the privilege of being on homecoming court. The gentleman to the right who kind of looks like Tony Evans, that's my daddy. The pretty lady to the left, that's my mama. And the little cute child right there, that's my younger brother, Simeon. I remember this day so vividly, and what this picture does not tell you, but I know because I was there, is that I was really nervous about even when that photo was taken. Because in this picture, what you don't know is that my parents' marriage were hanging on by a thread. Every moment in my house was a tense moment. Every moment in my house reminded me that they weren't so sure of each other anymore. And I remember when I found out I was on homecoming court and they told me that my parents were going to walk me across the field in front of everybody, I was nervous. And I was nervous because I knew the story that was going on with my parents. And I didn't know if they could get along long enough in order to walk me across a field. And I remember walking out on that field and then I remember immediately getting in the car and we were going to go to dinner and I knew we were going to go to dinner and they couldn't even agree on where we would eat. And I just thought to myself, man, I have no idea what the future holds, but it does not look very bright because of where I was and what was going on. See, sometimes we can't see clearly in the middle of the process, but we have to trust the one who is before the process and who is in the process is going to be faithful to bring that process to completion. And he does. Joshua 1, verse 13 through 15, reminds us of when this rest, when this completion was promised. It says this, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men ready for battle must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest. As he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan towards the sunrise. God fulfilled everything he said he was going to do. He gave them the land. He gave them rest. Not because of the faithfulness of the Israelites, because of the faithfulness of the king. Victory is not rooted in your abilities, but in the completed work of the king. 
See, God's fingerprints was on every victory that they had. God did all of it. He did all of the heavy lifting. It wasn't because of the Israelites. It was because of the faithfulness of the king who went before them. One of my favorite verses from last week was Psalm 27, which says this. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. See, as I read that, when I was reading that verse and I heard Brady preach on that message, I was thinking to myself, what are the chariots and the horses of my life that I'm putting my hope in that are not substantial? Let me ask you this question. You don't have to answer this out loud, but just where you are. What are the chariots and the horses that you're putting your hope in that you're hoping will bring about what you want it to bring about? As your friend and someone who's in process with you, let me just tell you, those things never keep their promises. Those empty chariots and those empty horses always overpromise and always underdeliver. And I'm not telling you that because I heard that. I'm telling you that because I have lived that. Let us remember well and let us remember that our God is faithful. And because victory is sealed in him, that is where true victory comes from. Let's turn the page in this family album. Joshua 21, 45 says this. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. This verse is worth underlining. Let me read it again. Not one of all the Lord's good promises to Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. He gave them all the land. He subdued all the enemies. And all the promises came true. How many came true? For me, guys, this is super encouraging because there have been dark days. There have been moments where I question, God, are you really going to do what you said you're going to do? Are you really able to leverage this for my good and your glory? God, are you really able? And to be reminded that he kept them all, and if he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, he will. And the king's faithfulness is not contingent on our faithfulness. Let me go ahead and say this. Because as you continue to read about the nation of Israel, it gets very messy. They're captured. Things are destroyed. They go astray. All the things. It is not pretty. And you go, man, was God really faithful? Yes, he was faithful in spite of of the Israelites. They didn't continue to walk in his ways, and so they got the consequences of their actions. But God was no less faithful. And you might not do this, but I do this sometimes. I'll look at the Israelites and go, I can't believe the Israelites. Shame on them. And I know y'all don't do that. Y'all are probably further in y'all's sanctification than I am. But I'll look at it, and I'll be like, Do you not remember that God split a sea in two? And that very sea he split engulfed the Egyptian army. How could you forget about the promises of God? How could you not live in response to that? Did you forget that God provided food for you for every meal and a double portion on Saturday so you could rest on Sunday? Did you not remember that? How could you forget? 
Do you not remember that God split the Jordan in two so you could walk across on dry, grand, on dry land even though it was flood season? How could you forget that you marched around the city seven times and the walls came crumbling down and all that was required of you was obedience, you to shout, and you to play an instrument? How could you forget those things? Shame on you, Israelites. And then, as I judge the Israelites and question why weren't they faithful to a God who had been so faithful with them, Unfortunately, the Holy Spirit convicts me and go, oh, you pointing a finger? Because how many times have you seen God move? How many times have we seen the faithfulness of God? How many times when we remember the completed work on the cross and the resurrection, but yet we don't live in light of his faithfulness? For me, that's often. Because I tend to forget the very thing I should not remember. He is faithful and he completes what he begins. Philippians chapter 1 verse 3 says this. This is Paul writing to the church at Philippi. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. And all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day into now. Being confident of this. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, our King, is faithful. Remembering the promises helps us take hold of them and the one who fulfilled them. What's interesting about this photo album is that, y'all, ultimately, this cost a lot of money. Because I don't know if y'all knew this or not. Weddings aren't free. There was a lot of sacrifice in order for us to do all the things. I think about all of that. My wife's parents are here this morning, and I think about what they sacrificed in order to pay for that wedding for us. And you would think, knowing all I know, that I would remember better. That I wouldn't put this somewhere for it to collect dust, but I would put it in a prominent place so I could remember where I've come from and the process that it took and remember the sacrifices so that I would live in such a way in response to what others did on my behalf. But you know what? It took my kids going, hey, I want to know the story. I want to be reminded of what's true. I want to know what God has done in our family. And so now every time I walk in and out of my house, I have to pass this where it is placed because I just want to remember well. And I think about that with this photo album, but then I think about what Christ has done on my behalf and how often I will put that sacrifice up on the shelf to pull it down only when it's convenient. Instead of living my life in such a way that I live in response to what the king has done. We have to remember well because the better we remember, the better we walk. And for us today, we are going to have the opportunity to remember well through the Lord's Supper. And I love that Jesus with his closest friends 
said, hey, I'm going to do this so you remember. You remember the cost. You remember the price. You remember my faithfulness. You remember that I'm telling you that death will not have the final word, that death's sting will be tamed. I need you to remember that. And then he did it. And he said, this Lord's Supper, I know you guys have taken it your whole lives, but this, I'm going to fulfill it. And I want you to remember well. Let us be a people that remember well. Let us not forget the price and the faithfulness of our King. But let us walk in light of it. Let us walk in response to it. Not trying to pay it back because we can't pay that debt back. But let us live in response to what the king has done on our behalf. And may we be faithful because our king is faithful. So I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to have an opportunity as a family to take a meal together and be reminded of what is true of our king. I invite you to pray with me right where you are. Dear Jesus, thank you for this faith family. Thank you that we come from different places and different spaces. Thank you that we have different life experiences. But thank you that through what you have done, through your death and resurrection, you have not only reconciled us to you, but you have reconciled us one to another. Jesus, may we not forget your faithfulness and how you keep all your promises. And may when we hold this picture of what you have done and of your faithfulness in our hands, may we remember well. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we thank you. And Jesus, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. I want to invite you guys to begin passing the elements. And as they're passing the elements, I want us to remember this. Remember that Jesus, right before he walked to Calvary's cross, had this final meal with a ragamuffin group of individuals. These individuals weren't invited to anybody else's table. They were not on the VIP list of anybody else. But Jesus invited them to partake in this meal together. And I love that picture because it shows us that we are invited as well. And so with that ragamuffin group of individuals, he took this Passover meal that they had grown accustomed to, and he revealed what it really meant through what he was going to do on Calvary's cross. So as you hold those elements in your hand, let us remember the faithfulness and the goodness of our King. And then here in just a moment, we're going to take this meal together. We know that hope is never lost For there is still an empty grave God, we believe no matter what There is power in your name So much power i uh-huh. 
obstacle of sin and death through an old rugged cross in his resurrection over the grave. And in the midst of that ragamuffin crew that were not invited to anybody else's table, he took the bread that they had taken before and they have done this before, but on this day, The king was in their midst, and he was going to reveal to them what it truly was all about. So I imagine he raised that bread in their midst, and he broke it, and he said, This represents my body that will be broken on your behalf. And they took it, and they ate. Then in their midst, I imagine that he raised that wine. And he said, this wine represents my blood that will be poured out on your behalf. And they took it and they drank. Let's pray. Jesus, may we remember this picture well. Or may we remember that you stepped near to us, that you paid a price for us that we were unable to pay because we were a bankrupt people, but you had sufficient funds because of your life perfectly lived. And you paid that debt on our behalf with your life. And thank you that three days later you gave back that borrowed tomb overcoming sin and death and providing a bridge for us to overcome the same through you and you alone. Thank you that through your completed work on a cross and your resurrection from the grave, you have brought us into common union with yourself. But not only did you bring us into common union with yourself, but you also brought us into common union with each other. Because of what you have done, our foundation is secure and we are built 
on you. So it doesn't matter where we come from or what we look like. We are united one to another because we have been reconciled to you and therefore been reconciled to each other. Thank you, King. And may we remember well. And we pray all these things in your awesome and amazing name. Amen.